Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we are going to be talking to Jonathan McNabb. He is the author of the book Heaven's Reign, and I can't wait to tell you more about it in just a few moments. As always, we have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. Follow us online and subscribe to us wherever podcasts are heard. And so, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-host and contributor today, Jonathan McNabb. Jonathan, how are you doing today? Hey there, Parker. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm thankful to be on the show. I appreciate what you do with authors, and I am just uh, hope we have a real good conversation about some, some fantasy fiction. It's going to be good. I love fantasy fiction, especially when Christian authors put their own spin on some of the areas of the Bible that are kind of gray or just don't have any kind of context. So it's always really exciting to read that. It's how you and I met was through your book. It's titled now Heaven's Reign. When I first saw this book, it was Adam's Reign. And when I first started to read just the look inside feature, I was so blown away, first of all, by the word pictures, your wordsmith skills, and so much more. I devoured this book. I loved this book. And then we have an opportunity now to share my love for your book, Heaven's Reign. So go ahead. Give us a quick summary about it. Sure, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's a fictional adventure. Uh, it's sort of a biblical historical fiction. It's set in the period just before the worldwide flood that you hear about in Genesis 6 in the Bible. But this is an event that all over the world, like any culture you look at, you look at their history, right? They know about this flood, you know, which I, uh, I mentioned um, answers in Genesis to a lot of people. It's a good place to find out about those kind of things if you want to kind of study that stuff. But anyway, the world knows about this thing. And uh, this book is set in that time period, but it, it takes just a really different look at it. Um, I know a lot of people have, have written some stuff on this period, but this follows Noah's family, his extended family, and their journey of faith as they kind of encounter the first end of the world, you know? You think of, like, end of the world novels. It's kind of like that for them, right? I mean, they don't know what's coming next. It's starting over. And so we want to kind of capture that, that drama and what it's like to be real people in a time like that who, who think God's up there, but what's going on, you know? It's interesting that you use that phrase and terminology because right now there are people who feel that way about our current time. And one of the things that I think we can find comfort in is that no matter if it's the end of the beginning, like in Noah's day, or if it's the beginning of the end, as in our day, we can still rely on Christ to bring us through it all. Now, Noah had a closer relationship with God the Father, 
because he was there. But now we have it through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And the same God in the beginning is the same God who will be with us at the beginning of the end. And so it just really brings it home to us. Don't worry about tomorrow. And we can always count on who holds us up today, tomorrow, and yesterday till the end of time. So I really am appreciative of how you use that terminology. And it was for them the beginning of the end, but we would say end at the beginning because that is the first world, if you will, and we're in what's known as the second world. So I love this part of biblical speculative fiction, and I love reading about it. And so many authors who've written about this particular time period just put their own spin on it, but there's always that thread of symmetry and congruency that exists for these books. So it's really exciting to have it, have it there. Now, if people want to get access to this book, where can they get access it from? Sure, yeah, yeah. It, well, it's, uh, it's, I try to make my books free when they first come out. And for this one, I kept it free, uh, on ebook at least, so that anybody who wants to read it can read it. They can get a hold of it. I don't want anybody to miss out on this thing. It's on every major retailer, Amazon, iBooks, Nook, Kobo. You know, I went wide with that. It's, it's wherever you want to find it, Google Play. Um, but then uh, it's also, you know, a print book. You can get that through Amazon. And it's also, well, it's not an audio book yet, but that's in process. But uh, I really wanted it to be a book that had voices and everything, you know, like real dramatized one. I'm not confident I can handle that yet. I'm excited for you. I know when it gets an audio book, you'll probably have that dramatization that you're looking for because that really helps to bring the listener into the world of your story. So, yeah, lots of good things going on there. Now, before I always ask this question for our listeners out there, before you knew you were going to be a writer, how did that journey begin? As a kid, that, that's the thing. That's where it started for me. Not the love for writing, but the love for great stories, the love for reading. You know, I read every fantasy novel I could pick up. Uh, actually, as one time, this is kind of iconic, but when I was, um, what, eight or nine, I think, I was hanging out with a friend in Texas and with his dad, and we were driving around, and we ran into uh, this big dumpster right behind Books A Million. It's chock full of books, like the whole dumpster full of books. And we realized they looked funny because their covers were ripped off. But this was like, this was for the picking. Because at the time, they had, uh, you know, they would throw away books and just take off the cover so nobody could resell them, right? So we hit this mass of like dragon, you know, Dungeons and Dragons type, Lord of the Rings type stuff, uh, just treasure hoard of, of fantasy books. And we took truckloads home. <laughs> so they wouldn't be thrown away. And so for years after that, like that was kind of my thing was just reading these books every night, you know, back to back, I'd, I'd devour them, you know? And so my mind just, just was kind of trained to love, to love fantasy and epic fiction, especially the longer, the better. And uh, I know a lot of folks, you know, probably resonate with that. I don't think I'm unique in it, but um, writing didn't start till much later, uh, much later. When I was, uh, when I was in high school, I did try writing a couple of things, but uh, I didn't have the patience, you know, I just didn't have the patience to get it done, to finish something that, that was that, that big, because I could only think of epics. That was kind of my thing. So it was really long, and I get 50 pages into something like I did one time when I was 15, and uh, I just would, would quit because I wasn't consistent, you know. But uh, I did try a couple things as a teenager, and then, um, you know, I, part of it, too, was growing up, I didn't, I didn't like to write. I had bad handwriting, I, you know, and I didn't know how to type, so... It just wasn't a big thing for me to want to write things down. I avoided it at all costs in school. But I learned to type. This lady saved my life, man. She she had this really hard 
hardcore typing teacher and, uh, you know, around age 15 or so, she got me going. And after a while, I'm, you know, 100-something words a minute. And so so that got it where it could, it could get done, you know. But um, come, let's see, uh, I gave up writing and reading for a while, reading fiction, when I turned 16 because I met Jesus, which is not a reason to give up reading. But when I met Jesus, um, I had the wrong idea, uh, kind of a legalistic idea about what was okay to have in my life. And while I appropriately ran from some of the things of the world, um, I also ran from the things I used to enjoy. Uh, and it took a few years for God to help me understand that you could receive good things and then be holy unto the Lord. And, and they're not necessarily all dangerous, you know. So I discovered that a few years later, but got away from reading and writing. And so when it came time to write Adam's reign, which became heaven's reign, the Lord had to really wake me up. He had to shake me out of uh, my stupor kind of with those things. I had just, uh, I had walked away from all of it and hadn't read a fiction book in years at the time. And so I started back by reading uh, a little bit of Ted Decker. The Circle Trilogy was was wonderful. And I loved the pace. He was just, you know, he moved so fast, but uh, it was deep and it was, it was hitting at some deep, deep scenes of the human heart and the Bible, even though the Bible wasn't really in it in that way. And, uh, and then I read some of the old fantasy novels just to kind of get my heart back around the big adventure, you know, just a couple of things. And, and at that time, so around 2017 is when this is going on. Let's see how this went here. My, um, my wife and my mother-in-law both told me separately, and they'd never seen me write a thing uh, or read, really, except for nonfiction. Um, but they came to me and they said, the Lord wants you to write. And I'm just like, well, how do you know? You know? <laughs> you know? Uh, but they laid that on me as I was talking to the Lord about it and kind of reviving my desire for it as I was trying to just get to know the Father even through fiction again, you know, and appreciate it in that way. Uh, he brought it to me. This is okay. You can do this. And in fact, I want you to, you know, I want you to be writing for me. I've given you a gift. You don't use it. But, you know, I could take it. <laughs> and so that was kind of the, the heart there. And so I stepped into it and I said, well, Lord, what do you want to write? And um, just got man, like a vision of it, just uh, bringing the Bible to life, but with spiritual warfare being very present and powerful in it. I feel like we're all walking around in a matrix world, kind of in a stupor, not realizing that there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes, causing all the little conflicts we see and causing so many things in our life. And I wanted to rip that veil off. You know, originally a little catchphrase was uh, what lies behind the veil, you know, whenever I, I put that on Adam's rant, I think. But um, that was the idea. Let's, let's get behind the veil of sense experience and experience what's really going on in the spiritual world, you know, um, that's impacting us so much. And so I wanted to do that, but with the Bible, so people would want to dive into it and understand that its story is the story we're all living in, you know? And so the Lord gave me that heart and just kind of gave me a vision for the book with Noah and the time period. I was, was thinking about that verse, Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. And it just felt like God was saying, that's for right now, you know, talking about what happened with Noah, real people dealing with God in the end and what's not seen is what's going on now, you know? So write about that. And it kind of just came to me, you know? So after that, I started writing, started the self-publishing process and been doing it since. And it's been, it's been quite a journey. I remember when I was in Las Vegas, I think, for a writer's conference or reader's conference. And a friend of mine and I were walking down the street and we were remarking, I said, do you know if we could really see what goes on in the spiritual world, we'll probably run from screaming. We'll probably just scream our heads off. It was shock us. Right. 
And I think it's because we're not quite aware that around us, there's spiritual warfare all around us every moment of the day, influencing us. For Christians, we're influenced, possessing others, things, just lots of things happening. If we really saw it, we'd run screaming because you'd be so surprised at what's going on that you can't see. And some people are genuinely afraid of spiritual warfare stories. They don't want mm-hmm. to be awakened to the, like you said, the matrix, if you will, of knowing that there's a spiritual battle going on for our souls. Our souls are the prize. And Jesus died to save our souls. He gave his precious blood to do that. And then there is Satan who wants to take your soul so you can be in damnation forever. Absolutely, yeah. And that well, is we... rather terrifying. It is. It really is. It just reminds me, though, you know, you mentioned Jesus that way. You know, it's, 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 it is scary to deal with spiritual warfare thoughts if you're just you. If you're just you in this cosmic universe full of these big powers that can do things you can't see, that is dang scary, right? <laughs> but, but if you've got Jesus, the king of the earth who speaks and things come into existence, and he made all of these little people that are running around doing naughty things, right, all these principalities and powers, they came from him then you're not really too worried when you realize he's standing with me, I'm in him, you know, and he speaks and they have to flee, right? Like they did in the gospels. It's, it's a powerful thing to know Jesus. It makes with you, you realize just how powerful our God is. And that's why he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Every time I hear those verses, a tingle goes through mm-hmm. my body to realize that we will fall before him, but I want to fall before him in joy, not in judgment, in peace, and not in, yes. not in perish. You know, I, I want to fall before him yes. going, thank you. During the days of Noah, we can only speculate, which makes this type of fiction so interesting. But the Bible does said, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. What exactly yeah. does that mean? That means that there oh, wasn't gosh. even a moral barrier anymore. If I wanted to kill a kid, if I wanted to rape someone, I wanted to go to war. I could do whatever I want. And some people are starting to see this happening again. That's why we say end of the beginning or in beginning of the end. And so these things are very real. And God is calling Christian authors and where you are to be effective, I think. You don't necessarily have to write Christian fiction. I've never been one of those people to say if you're Christian, only write Christian fiction. But you can influence your surroundings. All the best parts of all the best stories come from our, our big biblical narrative anyway, right? Like when the hero sacrifices for everybody, that's Jesus. You know what I'm saying? When you've got these like flawed characters that are trying to grow as they make the journey, that's coming from the Christian journey, you know, found in the Bible. Like everything that, that's amazing in the other stories that people can write, you know, it's, it's flowing from this big meta narrative that God's writing, you know, that the Bible's kind of the secret to. So I just, I, it's all valuable. That's all I was saying. It doesn't have to necessarily be the Christian stuff. Go ahead and give us a summary of what Heaven's Reign is about. Sure, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that from the very beginning I, I didn't want to do was just write about Noah all the time. <laughs> Even though that's about all you get there in, uh, in Genesis 6 is, hey, Noah hears from God, he builds this thing, and the flood comes. I mean, that's the general <laughs> what happens. There's just so much there. You know, you got these people that are living for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, which is part of why I figure things got so bad. If people get to live that long, they get into some, some uh, nasty habits, you know, <laughs> you know, 
and some evil machinations over time. But, um, you know, you got, you got people like that, and they're dealing with God, but they're not dealing with him the way we do, you know, through Jesus and with this inspired word that we can look at. He's got to visit them or send them an angel or whatever, and it's got to be kind of an intense thing, I think, to get their attention. And they're living in this crazy world. And I didn't want to go too deep with uh, how nasty the world was. I think some authors have tried that. Uh, I was a little bit hesitant to try that because it's just, you know, what's the end of the depravity, you know? Um, but us understanding it is, it was rough. But I wanted to follow more than just Noah. So we started with Methuselah, uh, which was somebody uh, that I didn't realize was related to Noah until I dug into Genesis 6. But we get to follow Methuselah's life and Noah's life and some of their family members um, as they just deal with this earth-shaking thing of the world's going to end. And for people like Methuselah, well, you know, you're not going to make it to the next phase because God only said, Noah, you and your sons are going to make it and their wives. But Methuselah was alive. Like you see in the word, he's actually Noah's granddaddy, you know. And if you look at it in the, in the narrative, he definitely would have known him based on the genealogy tables. He would have known him. They would have been relatives, you know, like we're relatives with our extended family. And he would have been around to the flood because Methuselah didn't die till the year of the flood, right? His name means after he dies, the judgment, if I remember correctly. So we wanted to step into Methuselah a little bit, and uh, he was special because he came from my recently departed father-in-law, my father-in-law that I was close with, who was very methodical and argumentative sometimes, but, but methodical and wise, and he enjoyed woodworking and all of those things, and you kind of get that character in Methuselah. Uh, the Lord kind of gave that to me uh, for him, and it's just a fun character to follow, um, but a lot of the adventure follows him and some unique things that happen with him. And all the while, right, as you follow him and you see Noah kind of back home whenever Methuselah's away, um, you're watching what's going on as he's processing, okay, the world's going to end, and I've got to build something that's going to take all my time for my family, but we're all going to, what, drown if I don't do it? You know, it's just a crazy, a crazy thing for him to deal with. Anyway, as Noah's dealing with what he's dealing with at home, we get into his heart a lot. We really try to get into all the characters' hearts. You know, I think that's something that I hope is a little bit unique about my writing. I just want to get, dive deep into who people are and what they're thinking, what they're dealing with at the spirit level, you know, because we're all dealing with these things. I think it's good to get to kind of deal with them through these characters, you know, in the story. Uh, and I've had some people write some reviews and tell me that they did do that, you know, that they experienced the story through the character's eyes because they felt like real people, you know, and, uh, and I want to see God continue to use it that way. Um, but uh, overall, like the whole time you follow these characters, you got the spiritual war going on and these angelic characters that are doing their thing. And I, I think they're very, you know, legitimate characters in their own right, not a sideshow. And um, God's sending them. They have missions and they have personalities. And I did have to make them a little bit human-like in some of the personality characteristics. What else can we do, right? Um, but, um, you know, you, you got Micah, the main character. He's pretty, he's pretty unique, the main angelic character. But he's very, he's very angel, just all angel all the time. He's going to do what God says. He's going to take care of the enemy or he's going to do the assignment and he's going to lead things. And he's very, like, I don't understand people and why they're so slow and emotional. You know, he just kind of. He just kind of doesn't get it because he's infinite, you know, in the sense of infinite forward. He hasn't always existed, but he's been around and he's going to last and he's not used to this like fleeting experience of man. You know, um, the other angelic characters are a little more fun, uh, a little more down to earth uh, in the sense they get people a little better. 
But, uh, yeah, so you're watching the spiritual warfare while the characters walk through it and learn to deal with it. You know, that's a lot of the story. Recently, I saw a depiction of angels on a YouTube video, and they were using the depiction of the angel in Ezekiel. And it's yeah. about the many eyes and the wheel, and it looked quite terrifying. <laughs> and I it said, is weird. Yeah, I said, if that's what you were saying, yeah, do not be afraid because I'm running. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm running. And that's why some people actually think that Ezekiel saw an uh, alien ship and not angels. I said, but, you know, the diversity of God's creativity with the angelic beings in the spiritual world, for those of you who are familiar yeah. with um, Heisler, uh, the unseen realm, if you're familiar with him, he talks a lot about the spiritual beings and uh, for the lack of a better term, that the spiritual beings are, quote, unquote, made from the same stuff. And I'm using very broad yeah. terms of God. I get it. But, the, you know, the Bible says God is spirit, and it says they're spirit, right? So we get that idea, okay? They're spirit beings, whatever that is. What's interesting is that the angels, regardless of how they look like, they still, I always believe they have free will too. So you try to use the biblical descriptions of angels, and they range. They have a range of looks from yeah. men to beasts. So you have the really odd ones that make you, you know, <laughs> run from the uh, room crazy. Yep. And those that look like us, you know. Yeah. So I like that you use that depiction of angels and demons in the story. Now, you use biblical names throughout the narrative. And so we got to talk about Boaz, right? Because I was, even yeah. when I first read, like, Boaz would not have been a name back in the day. I just don't think it would be. Uh, uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, what was your reasoning behind using some of the biblical names in the story as well? Sure, sure. Well, you know, I mean, I recognize that whatever this culture was, it wasn't necessarily Jewish, right? Because later you didn't get Jews till you got Abraham, who then had Jacob, and then Jacob gets called Israel, you got the Israelites, right? And that's like a good while after the beginning of the earth, you know, a good several hundred, fifteen hundred, two thousand years at least in the young earth view, you know, either way, it's been a while. Um, and so I know that the early culture, you know, wasn't necessarily Jewish, but all over the Bible, you get these names that the Jews have taken and said, these are, these are Jewish names, you know. Even back to Noah and these people that were born at this time, we'd say those were Hebraic names. So I just said, look, if we're going to try to be as realistic as we can, let's use biblical names throughout that, um, that we know could, could have maybe worked, you know, that just jive with that whole, that whole thing. And, you know, all of us, right, we got so many, you know, James and Johns and Charleses and Edwards and all this stuff. You know, there's, there's people use names over and over again when they're good names. And you see that throughout the Bible, too. Um, that's like in this story, there was, uh, there was a good Lamech and a bad Lamech in the early uh, in Genesis 6 narrative. And it's kind of like, well, that's weird, but we need to differentiate who these people are. Because one of them is Methuselah's kid and Noah's daddy. The other one's this random guy uh, on the other side of things that's really not, doesn't sound like a good person. <laughs> so... Um, so you kind of, uh, got to dig into that a little bit, but anyway, Boaz, I just picked a biblical name for him. I, I thought it was a good one. And, uh, he's probably, he's an interesting character. He's kind of the worst qualities of me. You know, he's really, um, he's really, really logical and analytical. Um, just on a bad day without Jesus, what I'd be like. Um, and so we, we're kind of trying to watch him throughout the story, get, uh, get redeemed a little bit and get changed a little bit as he deals with trials. So Thank God that he does redeem us, though. Thank the Lord. And that's something yeah. that, you know, in our human experience, if we can't fix it, if it's not repairable, if it's broken, we can't fix it. Our limited power does not allow it to be fixed. And I always think of the passage of Scripture where the Lord is talking to the prophet, 
and he's in the valley of dry bones. And he said, behold, they were very dry. Oh, he saw pieces of skeletons. And he said, son of man, can these bones live? And we would have been like, nah, <laughs> pretty much it's done. <laughs> but the prophet nope. said, you know. And then he created an army from dry yeah. bones. That's the power of our God, that he can make the dead live again, that he can fix mm -hmm. the broken. We see a broken egg, and we see a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. He sees an opportunity to use his power. So that's the kind of God we serve. And throughout this book, you see that happening in the midst of the spiritual warfare, in the midst of this battle, in the midst of the world changing, in the midst of angelic confusion about people. Because I get Micah. I get Micah. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, and you, you use the point about how long they lived back then, which really makes mm -hmm. some very interesting world building at the time. Because if you're living for a thousand years, I always thought about poor Eve. You know, she was, how many kids she possibly had? You know, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I can't imagine. I yeah. can't imagine. You know, I don't have any children at all, but I can imagine, you know. And then, like, mm -hmm. being married, like, one of the oldest couples that have been married have been, like, 88 years, something like that. And I just <laughs> freak out when I hear that. Like, wow, 88 years. And I've been yeah. married with my husband for going on 15. It's like, I feel like 88 <laughs> Right. Imagine Methuselah, right? Maybe right. he got 800 with his lady, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they got married, with, and then you say, we've been married for 14 years. They go, wow, you just got married, you know? <laughs> That's what they would be saying. So, yeah, I like those ideas and just that interesting world building. I've always wanted to do a book in this era. I don't know if I ever will. Oh, yeah. I think so many authors just do such a great job that I don't think I will add anything unique to the genre itself, but God's will. It's up to him what he wants me to do. Now, we're getting close to the end of our discussion, but I wanted our listeners to know so much about you, about your book, what the book tells, because it does, um, it does exist in that gray area of the Bible where it talks about Noah, the flood, and a little bit after the flood, angels, demons, spiritual warfare, everything you want in epic biblical fantasy, historical fantasy, everything you want in it. That's why I love this book so much. And what really enraptured me when I first read this book a couple of years ago was just your words. They were so Beautiful. I even wrote to you and told you how beautiful those words were. Yeah, thank and you, it so just sweet. it just made me it's just like, wow, I'm there. I'm at the beginning of time and, and I see this perfect paradise, this world, the lush greenery, the blue waters and, and the fruit, everything was just there and this is beautiful jewelry and gift and this crown that got destroyed. You, you know what I mean? Oh man, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that that was just so evocative. That's how well you wrote that yeah. part of your story. And that was just the beginning, guys. So imagine reading the whole book. And then Jonathan really gave us his background as to where he got these ideas from because he always read epic fantasy growing up. You know, somebody did a great kindness and left a bunch of books out, which I think is the best gift to give anybody's <laughs> books. So really sure. excited for you and where your career is going as you become a preacher. From our last episode, you know, he's the Lord that's, called him to preach. And he's like, I didn't know it was going to happen. He tried to avoid it, but too bad. <laughs> You're locked in now. And so, you know, hoping the Lord bless yep. you as you begin to preach and build your uh, flock that way, because eventually you're going to have a flock. And so yeah. um, that's a really I big responsibility. That. I don't envy you that. I thank the Lord. No. I was never called to preach. Thank you, Jesus. I was never called to preach. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and so, because, you know, um, because being a preacher it's a responsibility. It's an honor, but a responsibility. There are people who are going to 
look to you for guidance. And so we're going to pray for you for that too, Pastor, that you um, that you lead your flock well. So we're at the end of our show today, and I want to thank you so much for being with me. I want people to have an opportunity to find you online. So go ahead and share with us your social media outlets. Sure, yeah. If you, uh, if you want to go to my website, mainly everything else is there. You know, the different social bits are there. Um, storyreborn.com, just story like story, you know, read a good story. Reborn, like we're reborn in Christ, storyreborn.com. And, um, you know, you can find me there. Uh, I got little social buttons down there. But um, you can get me Jonathan McNabb on Facebook or uh, at Story Reborn for Twitter. And uh, I think you'll be able to find me there. Unfortunately, I, I, I got three kids, and I'm not, uh, I'm not on there all that much right now. But if you reach out to me, I will talk to you, and we'll have a good time. It'll be, it'll be special. Jonathan, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. And I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thanks, Parker. I really appreciate it a whole lot. Thanks for uh, just, just letting us do this together. It's special. You have a good one. And we were talking today to Jonathan McNabb. He is the author of the book, Heaven's Reigns. It's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead and get your copy today. You can get it for free online. But if you want the paperback, go ahead and get it from Amazon.com. And there may be an audiobook in our future games, so just stay tuned for that. You can follow him at StoryReborn.com. Again, StoryReborn.com. I want to thank Jonathan for being with me today. He just has so much passion for the Lord. And I just can't wait to see what his writing career and his pastoral career, what will happen. So we'll stay tuned with him, and we'll keep him hog-tied here to PJC Media. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 